Experience the beauty and emotion of Lent and Easter with Christianity Today's newest devotional, Easter, in the everyday. Thoughtful readings from a variety of pastors, theologians, and writers invite you into the emotional stages of Christ's journey, from humility to hope to love. Beginning on Ash Wednesday and ending at Pentecost, this digital devotional is perfect for individual or group study. Get it today at orderct.com slash easter24. Welcome to the Crafting Character Podcast. Steve Carter here, and it is a new year. Happy New Year 2022. My friends, I am so excited because you've you've probably heard me dropping a little bit of hints over the last like month, month and a half um, about this kind of partnership that has been stirring and brewing between Crafting Character Team and Preaching Today and Christianity Today. And um, a number of months ago, they reached out and they just had become fans of what we were trying to do, talking about, you know, the craft of getting better at communication, but always having our character lead the way. And as I really got connected to their team, I, I saw that we had some real similar heartbeat. And um, we've just been dreaming and scheming and praying. And I'm excited because they have just decided to make Craft and Character the flagship podcast of Preaching Today. And it will also be a part of the Christianity Today network that Mike Cosper is leading. And I, I am just humbled. I am thrilled. Um, if, if you don't know much about preachingtoday.com, I mean, they are just creating some incredible content. Um, and, and yet they also have this, this membership I'm talking thousands upon thousands of pastors who can go online. There's amazing sermons and illustrations, exegesis, soul care. They've got so much. And, and it's like we're just getting started. We have dreams for how we can just continue to be um, just guides and friends and, and really create a space to really help people grow in the craft and character of preaching. Now, um, I wanted, I really wanted this to be like a celebratory episode. Um, and I'm excited because Daniel Grothy's here. We're going to talk about his new book and he's one of my favorite communicators. He's fantastic. Um, but, but here's what I did. We've had like 30 plus guests um, that we've just been fortunate to have on the, on the podcast. And I was able to get one or two books from each author. And so to kind of celebrate a new year, to kind of celebrate this new partnership, what we're going to do is a little giveaway. And you're going to, you're going to be able to learn more about it. Um, you can go on Instagram at Crafting Character or even just on my own personal Instagram um, at Steve Brian Carter. And for the first week that this podcast drops, it, you know, it drops on January uh, 11th. For that first week, uh, we're just going to have, if you go to that Instagram, you're going to be able to see ways that you can actually learn about this giveaway and give yourself a chance to win like a literal library of some incredible, incredible books. And, and if some of them you have, you can give them away or you can just put them on eBay and maybe make a couple bucks and uh, take some, someone out for a special evening. Hey, the other thing, the other gift that we have is I, I mentioned that there's this membership and I was talking with the, 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 the leaders of, of preaching today and they were like, hey, we can totally create 
like a craft and character opportunity where people can get 30% off um, just right from the jump. They can, they can just start this right from the jump in 2022. And so um, literally the website will be in the show notes, but it's, it's orderptnow.com slash cc30. So cc, craft character, 30, 30% off. So it's in the show notes. After you listen to this episode, seriously, go become a member, sign up, for the for the for the giveaway but friends i'm excited i'm excited for this new year we got dreams ah oh, man i'm so excited uh, but today today we get the chance to learn from daniel growth he's the pastor at new life uh in colorado springs he has an incredible story uh but he wrote a book that i had the privilege of reading and it 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 rocked me challenged me moved me and then i heard the teach that was like kind of the heartbeat of this book. And it was just so, so special. And, and you're going to see, you know, later on in the episode, why this book and this message and this just specific preach just really was a huge deal for my family. Um, but like we often do, I want to give you a sense of the sound of Pastor Daniel Grothy. So hear this, and then we'll dive into our interview with Pastor Daniel Grothy. We've got these two cultural trends that I want to point out to you. It's just important to sort of understand the moment in which we live. God's called us to stability in place, but we've got to know the moment in which we live. We have two cultural trends happening right now. First, we live in an age of wanderlust. Oh, I wonder what Austin's like. I hear they've got such a vibe down there. The scene is just, oh my gosh, and food trucks. They've got food trucks in Austin, and it's beautiful, and the weather is just so sexy, and I just want to be in Austin, and then if Austin doesn't work, I'll go to Los Angeles, and then I'll just kind of flip my way out to NYC because Manhattan, I mean, especially Williamsburg, it is unbelievable, and the lattes out there are $37, but they are the best lattes you've ever had in your life, and you can't own a car because there's no parking, and you have to make $300,000 a year to be considered poor, but let's go to Manhattan <laughs> because it's amazing. And I'm going to discover who I am out there in the wild horizon. We are the first society in history to ever even experiment with this. We're the first society with deep enough pockets to even think that this is an option. But how's it working out for us? with the anxiety, with the loneliness. I'm not here to, listen, I'm not pointing any, I'm just saying, we have to ask, how is it working? We live in an age of wanderlust where the grass is, I just gotta go see. I've heard that it's greener and I need to, and I probably am gonna find that, I'm gonna find who I am. What if you can know who you are right where you are? And what if wherever you go, there you are? If you're running from something, it'll be there. We live in an age of wanderlust. Second thing is we have become pathologically conflict avoidant. We have stopped having face-to-face -face conversations and we have become keyboard warriors. I'm going to give it to them on Facebook tonight, baby. I'm going to post that meme and then that really chippy thing with a funny hashtag, just saying... And I'm going to change their hearts as discipleship, digital discipleship in the 21st century.com. 
We have stopped confronting one another. Uh, maybe we haven't stopped confronting one another, but we've done what we've done is we've started confronting one, one another in a passive-aggressive abstraction that will never end in resolve. Facebook rants, sarcastic memes, political diatribes. We think we're taking a stand and we think we change, we're changing the world, but we're sitting in our echo chambers of animosity and it doesn't work. People are the great purifiers. The way God has made me a disciple is by making me move from on the other side of the keyboard and come sit face to face with someone that I don't like. And going into the meeting, my blood is racing and I'm anxious and I'm nervous and I've got all this adrenaline flushing my system and I've been having imaginary conversations and I think I kind of know how it's going to go and I've got my options. And then you sit down and then the spirit of the Lord comes and you go, you know what? I'm sorry for being, I'm sorry. I don't even know what went wrong, but can we please be well together? I love you. And I want to serve you. And I want to be like Jesus with and for you. When we can live this way, we become holy. You can't do this bouncing around regions of the world every two years trying to find your grass that's greener. But when you can stay faithful and stay plugged in and stay rooted and, 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 and have the hard conversations when you need to have the hard conversations and do it in the spirit of the Lord Jesus, you look up 10, 15, 20, 30 years later and you find yourself with eyes that are clean and hearts that are tender and relationships that are strong. Well, Daniel Grossi, thank you so much for joining us on the Crafting Character Podcast. I love getting to hear you teach. Give us a little backstory on the heart of this teaching and obviously the heart of the book, The Power of Place. Sure. So I, I flew back to Tulsa, Oklahoma to speak at a church that I grew up at in my teenage years. So this the clip you just listened to are people who have known me, many of them since I was born. So, you know, the emotion of standing in front of people who helped you become who you've become and who helped name you and who helped correct you. So that's a little bit of the context of that clip. I was I was just emotional to be there. It was joyful. Um, but, yeah, they they the book that I just wrote is called The Power of Place. And those people were my vow of stability for the first 22 years of my life. They they were the the ground that I grew up in the greenhouse that made me, you know, nurtured me and brought me to life. And uh, so to, to teach that, that story there in the place that kind of uh, made me possible was sort of this double gift. Well, I, I, I think what's, what's amazing to me is the, the heart of the book, um, you know, and I, and I think you talk a lot about this vow of stability and I think that feels so, not our culture. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't ever, ever remember hearing that phrase growing up. Yeah. What I felt like was taught to me was opportunity, go chase, strive, achieve. Yeah. And when I picked up your book and read it, I just, I, I had this, this just profound moment of man, the, the power that a community, the power of a city, the power of a neighborhood, really the power of a place. And it's fascinating because God called people to places. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I think we use that as the next 
kind of rung up on a ladder. But just talk about why this vow of stability do you feel is a message that in the church, in our culture, in our world today, um, we need it more than ever. You've hit on it. We live in an age of wanderlust. We live in an age of uh, bigger, faster, stronger, better, climb the ladder. Every place you are is a stepping stone that's going to get you closer to your meaning. Um, I remember a pastor, I wrote about it in the book. He, he took his first job out of seminary and he had school debt and, and he thought, well, you know, none of the big cities are calling, none of the important pulpits are calling. So I'll just take this job. I'll, I'll work here two years. I got to start paying my loan off, but he hated where he was and San Jacinto Valley, the economy had moved on and he was just disturbed and, and was mad at, he was mad at God, frankly, what, what? A prophet's not honored, you know, like I'm in this small place where nobody's ever going to see the gift of God in me. And the Lord told him, go buy your burial plots. And he was angry and he resisted. And he he said, the next morning in prayer, the Lord said, go buy your burial plots. And I told my wife and and, uh, he said, said, when I bought my burial plots, my wife and I, something in the atmosphere shifted something. We had spiritual authority now to care for these people. Uh, there was unity that was brought back to the church. He said, I was living with my bags packed and I was living, looking for the next meaningful place as if to say the congregation he was in wasn't meaningful. Uh, So we live in this moment of, I'm going to go run down there and find my true meaning. And then, Oh, after three years, that doesn't work. I'm going to head out, you know, wherever. And after a decade of living like that, we have no relational rootage. We have no, we have very little spiritual authority and uh, you got to remember that saints are always from somewhere. You read church history and you've got Hildegard of Bingen, you've got Augustine of Hippo, you've got St. Francis of Assisi, you've got uh, St. Teresa of Calcutta. And frankly, they get that from St. Jesus of Nazareth, who it shows us that if, if salvation is going to break into the world, it's going to be local and personal. It's going to be walking the streets of what we might think God for, is a God forsaken place. And Jesus doesn't sprinkle salvation from the balcony of heaven. He moves into Nazareth, Bethlehem in Judea and lives a faithful life there with complicated family relationships go into that same synagogue with that crotchety old preacher who's been saying the same thing for decades. And somehow salvation breaks into the story by getting particular. It's, it's fascinating because I love how you just described that with the saints all have a city attached to them. And, you know, I think it's so often um, where for many of us in, in the pastorate, we, we have multiple cities, myself included. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I started out in Camarillo, California, went to Fullerton. Mm -hmm. I've bounced back between the West coast and the Midwest, West coast Mm -hmm. and Midwest, Mm -hmm. Grand Rapids, back to Fullerton where I was in college, back to the Midwest. Now I'm in the desert in Arizona. And, Mm -hmm. and I, I, I'll tell you, um, the longing that I had as I read your book, Mm -hmm. um, to go, Gosh, what is that place? Yeah. Where is that place? Mm-hmm. And, and and again, um, it's still so counterintuitive mm-hmm. because what I think is 
been taught to us is you know remember that old game bigger and better used yes. game it's like <laughs> you start with like a paper clip and you know i i came back with a vw bug once yeah uh, bro and, and like my my youth pastor was like hey man i think you gotta i think you took that from a drunk guy it's like, man, i gotta bring that back but like but 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 i i uh i think that's that's in us in our culture yeah. and that's in and and like i remember so many times where pastors i knew were we're checking uh, kind of church staffing or Vanderbloom yeah. or slingshot to see what else is out there. That wanderlust. Yeah. Yes. And, and you start your book with this, mm-hmm. like you had an amazing opportunity come your way mm-hmm. and it really, it really seemed to make sense. And, and then it doesn't happen, but like you, it like, is that where this book kind of came out of like, or had this been something you had been working on? And this has been something I've been working on for years. You and I share the same agent, Alex Field. And Alex and I were in a coffee shop. And he, Alex said to me years ago, he said, Daniel, I think you're going to write. And I want to be your agent. Can, can we work together? And I said, wow, thank you. Uh, sure. And he said, tell me, you're in a room, you're at a conference, and you're just attending. And someone says, Daniel Grothy, come here, come here, get up here. And they say, here's the microphone. You've got 15 minutes. Speak. He said, you don't have any notes. What do you talk about? Alex is asking me this. And I said, okay. I just, I don't, I don't like the moment that we're living in, living as if place doesn't matter, living as if we can just, you know, pick up and move and, and, and keep doing this for 30 years. And I said, I think you lose the rootage. I think you lose the spiritual authority. Every move is a relational reset. Uh, and, and so I just don't know that people understand this ancient vow of stability. And I said, like, find your place, find your people and try to die there. I was just kind of like, I just vented that. And he goes, stop. What did you say? I said, find your place, find your people and try to die there. And he goes, I need two chapters on that from you like next month. I, I don't hear anyone saying that. And you yeah. just like, you bled that. And so for me, it comes from uh, sort of a, a two pronged uh, marking on me. My grandparents, this picture behind me, you can't see it, you listeners, but there's a picture of a 700 acre farm in Northern Idaho that my grandparents, uh, my grandpa grew up on this farm, worked it with his dad, uh, still in the family. My grandma on the other side grew up on a 2000 acre farm that her daddy bought a Greek immigrant. And so I'd go up in the summers and work the the land with them. And at the end of the day, you were nasty, you were hungry, you were tired, but you were happy. Like you just, you fell into bed going, I don't know why, but I was made to do that. Uh, Something in me just knows I need to know the soil. And uh, so there's that kind of family dynamic, family of origin. And then reading church history, studying seminary, all this, I I knew that the saints of old would take vows, vows of charity with their money, vows of chastity with their sexuality, vows of obedience to the scriptures. The Bible's our book, sure. But what I didn't know is that starting in 500 AD, uh, St. Benedict rose up and said, hey, actually the first vow Christians have been taking for so long is the vow of stability in place. And then you, you live out your vow of faithfulness from a particular place. You live charitably from your soil. You live a chaste life from your neighborhood. 
you, you live uh, the scriptures for these people right in front of you. But we have been trying to live obedient to scripture in abstractions, I think. So there's that. And, and let me just go to, to the first thing you, you brought up. Like, I, I want people to know who are listening. This is not some romanticized view of place. This is not to say you won't ever move. Genesis 12.1, Abram, Sarai, get your booties out. Let's go on the move. I'll show you the place. Let's go. And then when they get settled, they start rooting down and, and anchoring. Jesus Christ is, is Lord. He sends and he sends them out. And they go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost bounds of the earth. This is what happens when the spirit breaks out. And then when they got there, they started creating structures and cultures of stability. They planted churches. They didn't just bounce. They left once and then anchored and made a place uh, viable for other people to come into the stability of the kingdom. So God may have a move for you, and that's perfectly fine. And when you get there, try to find your place, find your people, and die there if you can. So I think it comes from this like culture of impermanence that we're living in. What I'm trying to push against is a culture of impermanence. All of our technology, it's made to, to go obsolete in 12 to 18 months. Yeah. Half of our marriages, uh, I mean, for the last 50 years, half of our marriages are failing at a 50% rate. It's, and, and we're growing up not knowing what, what is, you know, what can you nail down? What's not going to move on? me. And so I think this vow of stability addresses this culture of impermanence. And, and if we can settle into it, will help us reclaim some of that gift of the ancient tradition. Well, and I, I love this because, you know, you mentioned Tulsa, your, your place of roots, you, you go to ORU, you're a hooper, you play some basketball there. Um, but then you, you, you move out to Colorado Springs, right? And you get an opportunity to be a part of new life. And yeah. this was, um, this was 20 years ago, right? 17. Yeah. 17 years ago. Yeah. And you're there at an amazing church <laughs> And like all of a sudden, like uh, some stuff happens. Yeah. And in a in a culture of impermanence. Yeah. I, I'm sure there was something going. Let's go back to Tulsa. Bro. Let's Bro. get out. My phone was ringing off the hook. So just Cliff's notes for you listeners. New Life Church. When I came in, Ted Haggard, president of the National Association of Evangelicals, thirty million member group. Uh, Mel. Gibson flew out here on a private jet to release the passion of the Christ at our church with 3000 pastors in the room, George W. Bush president at the time, Skyping into our pastor's conference, intoxicating. It was, it was working until it wasn't. And overnight, Ted uh, is caught in a scandal. He's fired. We discovered we're $26 million in debt with a global economic crash hitting, you know, waves washing ashore 2007, 2008. So we lose our senior pastor, 26 million in debt, uh, global economic downturn. We had to fire 44 of our friends overnight. So we're just a church reeling. And then we finally get a senior pastor 10 months later. And on his 100th day, we're standing at the end of our children's hallway after the second service, people are happy and and going home for lunch. And we're really a hundred days into having a new senior pastor. There's new life starting to break out and trust. And maybe we could have a future again. And at the end of our children's hallway, I hear the worst sound you could ever hear on a Sunday, which is bop, 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 bop. 
and a shooter comes on our campus with an assault rifle, AR-15, thousand rounds of ammunition, and is spraying bullets everywhere. He kills two teenage girls in our parking lot, 16 and 18, Rachel and Stephanie Works. May they rest. And he's, he runs in our building. A security guard races down toward him with a little handgun, and she shoots him in the leg, and he falls down and then takes his own life in our children's hallway. So on our new pastor's 100th day in the office, we have a double murder-suicide at church. And so we didn't think it could get any worse. And here we are finding new caverns in the valley of the shadow of death. And we were heartbroken. We were confused. And our phones start ringing off the hook. Hey, baby, come on back. We'll, you know, we'll pay you more and bless your heart. And, oh, I'm so sorry. It's been a, a tough couple of years. And, and all well-meaning. But something in our team at that moment, not just me and Lisa, but our team, it was almost like a screw you, uh, you know, to, to the world, to the devil, like, and to these people who are calling us, thank you, but no thank you. This is the moment where we earn our wage. This is the moment where we earn the vocational title of shepherd of God's flock. If we leave right now, <laughs> there was that risk of like proving we were a hireling. Like, like we just knew we had to dig in at least for a while until the dust settled. And so we all locked arms and pressed in and and uh, I, I just think these are the moments that can can make you. And these are the moments where you have to answer some questions. And so could we have left and God, you know, been OK with us? I, sure. But I know that our team looked each other in the eye in that season of crisis, back to back crisis for our church. And something in us said, we've got to hold the fort. Let's live the vow of stability. And here we are now. 15 years after those crises and God has blessed us. And, and but, it, but Steve, I I'll tell you, it took five years. Yeah. It was five years of disorientation, five years of chaos, five years of heartbreak. It, it didn't six months later, praise the Lord. No, it was five years of pain and slugging it out and misery. And then someday, some mysterious day you wake up and the clouds have blown out and the sun is shining. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think what's so important because, again, I thought The Power of Place was um, one of my favorite books I read all of last year. And I, I really, um, it spoke to me, and, and I'll share more about that in a bit. But I, I think knowing you and knowing what you have chosen to walk through and what your family has chosen to stay with and your team has chosen to uh, – stay relationally grounded and connected and to see um, the joy that you all have when you post on the farm and to see what God is doing on Friday nights and Sunday mornings all throughout greater Colorado Springs and beyond. Like it, you're, you're seeing and experiencing and feeling um, this real resurrection story. Yes. And, but I, like, I think so often we can miss that because when it gets hard, we look and go, yeah, but they're going to pay more and that's going to be a bigger room. <laughs> and they're going to give me another week of vacation. Yeah. And that's going to be like, that's, that's actually going to help my Instagram. And that, yeah. and, and like all of a sudden, especially yeah. like, I think for Gen Xers and millennials and Gen Z, like, I think that the, the whole world, I mean, even when you think about college, you know, back in our parents' day, grandparents' day, 
You went to college and you probably had one, maybe two jobs. Now they're yeah. saying you're going to switch your major five times. Right. And yeah. enter the transfer portal three times. Yeah, exactly. Like exactly. We, we are living a, a, we are a society of the transfer portal. Yes, dude, that, <laughs> bro, that is the truth. We are, the, and I was just, I just had a USC football player, five-year NFL guy in my house this weekend, and we were talking about it. And you, you know this guy. And he was saying to me, Daniel, what people aren't thinking about the transfer portal is it used to be you would stay at one place and you would have an identity. Yep. I am a USC Trojan. And, and I am, you know, and you also with that, you had people who would say to you, as long as you're in LA, you've got a job. That's right. And I love you. And I know what you gave to our university and I'll stand with you and you sacrifice and I'll support you because of that. He said, now you've got 18, 19, 20 year olds who at the end of five years of a college run might have two or three universities. And he says, they don't even know who they are and they don't even know what story they're living because they just keep bouncing. And we assume as long as you've got a scholarship or as long as you're paying your bills or as long as you've got a, cl- a nice roof over your head, you have everything you need. And, and what this book is trying to do is call, throw the flag on that yes. and say, no, you, there is a larger identity piece at play. There's not just financial capital, but social capital. And the kingdom of God, serving in the kingdom of God is too hard to do it as a mercenary. Yeah to do it as a ringer, to do it as one just hopping in the portal every four or five years. So again, it doesn't mean God might not have a move on your horizon. And I'll say this, please hear me. There are certain situations that are toxic for you and your family and you need to get out. So this is not romanticizing place. That Steve, you know, and I know so many folks who the, the very best decision they could make is to relocate and reset and get a deep breath and and find wholeness again because where they were it was untenable so if that's you listen to the spirit pay attention talk to your counselor get a community of discernment around you because a move might be the very best thing for you period and many of us leave because we're bored yes and because there's more money out there and because there's a, a, a sexier highlight reel that we could swirl up into existence. And it, that's, not a good, that's not a good enough reason to go. I mean, I love that. I think that's so helpful. Um, one, one of the pieces that I really appreciated about your book um, was I, I, I love like you have just a great writing style in the way that you would detail stuff about Jimmy Carter or some of the, you know, the, these, these real incredible um you know leaders um desert fathers kind of just these old mm-hmm. like just voices and you're, it, it just you bring it into such um language that is accessible today which i mm-hmm. love but you had um an acronym called mm-hmm. drops mm-hmm. yeah that i thought yeah. was really really helpful yeah um can, do you mind walking through that? Because I think for some people who might be in that discernment process, as you were yep. talking about that, I just yep. thought drops was really, really helpful. Yes. So I was thinking to myself, how would someone know uh, where to go? Yeah. So there may be a move for you. I, I spent 22 years in Tulsa and 17 years ago, we moved to Colorado Springs. God, we felt the Lord was stirring us. 
but we were asking questions and we were talking to our people and we had kind of a grid. And this is the first time I kind of articulated what I think a, a decent grid. It's not airtight, but if you're asking the Lord about a move and asking where I should go, let me put five things in front of you. First for this drops acronym is desire. Desire, like desire, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. We, I'm not talking about the object of your desire. This isn't some wish fulfillment. Gosh, I just really want a Rolls Royce. This isn't, I grew up word of faith. I know, I know how to manipulate this desire thing, right? No, like there are certain places on the map that I just go, I don't ever want to be there. No, thank you. Like, praise God, he's called certain people to be there. And, and I'm, I'm sure they have learned to fall in love with it, but I would die. I just would die. But there are other places you start talking to me about certain cities. I love Colorado Springs at the base of Pikes Peak uh, with the front range here opening up. Something in my soul comes alive. So pay attention to your desires. It's not everything, but it's not nothing. Second thing, relationships. We are out here because there are a few people who we knew from our Tulsa days who are at Oral Roberts University that ended up out here. And... Um, and even Ted Haggard, he met me, he met me 21 years ago and he said, what's your name? And I said, Daniel Grothy. And he said, are you David and Becky's boy? And I said, yeah, how do you know them? He said, well, I went to college with them 25 years ago. And I said, what? So relationship matters. And I would be hesitant to go anywhere where I didn't have some established relationships. Jesus sent them out two by two. And they were praying and fasting in Acts 13. And the Holy Spirit said, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Not set apart that ringer Saul. He's going to be a beast out there in the field. (laughs) No, Barnabas and Saul. Saul needs Barnabas and Barnabas needs Saul. And those guys together with their relational strength and with their stick-to-itiveness, they'll figure it out. So relationships matter. Like pay attention to where you have relational networks already open. The third thing is opportunity. So desire, relationships, opportunity. I'm here because they made a job offer. And Lisa Lisa got a little elementary school job offer to her. I would be hesitant to go anywhere just to go. Uh, like a lot of people have done financial harm to themselves by not having something lined up in front. I'm just going to live by faith. I'm going to throw my life in the car and just head out to find this new ah. That, that kind of makes me nervous. And um, like, you got to know that there's some opportunities. Pay attention to that. The fourth thing is purpose, desire, relationships, opportunity, purpose. You have to go to a place where your making is going to sync up with a need. Like, what is it that Beekner says, Frederick, you know, like the, the world's true gladness and your true delight, you know, your gifting and the world's desire or, or the they meet. There's an intersection of your making and, and a, a need. So the purpose, like I'm going to get out of bed in the morning, living in Colorado Springs. I'm going to jump out of bed because the way God made me is going to be able to be expressed in this local terrain. So purpose and then skills. The last thing, desire, relationships, opportunity, purpose, and skills. Uh, Oklahoma needs a bunch of salt of the earth, oil field workers. Nashville needs a bunch of world-class musicians. Silicon Valley needs unbelievable designers and engineers. Like there are certain places that just will need you. (laughs) So like that grid, I think can help you decide which place to go to. 
I, I love it. And, and, and re, it re, like brought back a conversation I had a number of years ago with John Tyson. And mm. I happened to, to be out there, um, you know, with him and, and his kind of like tribe of parishes at the time yep. um, at Trinity Grace. Um, now they're Church mm-hmm. of the City in New York. But um, we were kind of just going through learning about missional communities. And I, I remembered like meeting John um, way, way, way back. And he was fresh, like from Australia, uh-huh. like, piercings. <laughs> and like, now I see him and I mean, it's like, he's thriving. He's, he's dapper. He's like, yes. just dialed, yeah. you know? And yeah. Yeah. So I just walked up to him and I said, Hey man, the first time I met you, like th- there was all this energy in this. Now you're like dapper, like, like just talk, talk to me like about New York city. Talk mm-hmm. about like, just, yeah, like that transformation. Yeah. And he said something that mm-hmm. in my mind, like speaks to what drops is all about. He said, mm-hmm. you know, he said, Steve, New York is the first place that allows me to be the fullest expression of who God made me to be. Gracious. And I, I, I remember going, wait, wait, say that again. Right. And he just said like, New York is the first place, yeah. not, not Australia, not, yeah. and he started, not Orlando, not, not mm-hmm. this right. is the first place that I feel comfortable in my own skin, yes. comfortable that like any, you know, it's very much like that Buchner quote, like yeah. my, my skills meet the great need of this city. Yeah. I yeah. get the people. Yeah. And, and then like, he just said to me, he said, Steve, God calls people to places. Places, yes. And and Acts seventeen. Yeah, man. And I think I think what's so, I think often in our churches with spiritual gifts tests, or yeah. in our in our like Bible colleges and seminaries, yeah. And with the opportunities, we're often thinking, oh no, no, God's called me to this spiritual gift. I'm a preacher. Yeah. I'm a pastor. I right. I, I I'm this is my gift. And it's amazing. It's like, I don't know, when you go back to, you know, uh, of Calcutta, yes, of Assisi, like yes. of this place, that's where your skills, that's where the spiritual gift is yeah. to come alive and thrive yeah. and flourish. I, I don't know, speaking and, of that. And place, so to, to take John's word and kind of tease out even a little more, place, so he comes and is able to express the, like, oh my gosh, this is John Tyson at his best, right? Yeah, But place on the other side of that equation, place demands something of us that we could never have known until we get there. Yes. So like, it, it's not just, I come to this place and finally I get to give the very best of who I am, but I come to this place. And if I'm attentive enough over time and I'm discerning what's going on here and what's needed, the place will draw things out of you that you could never have known. Teresa was not from India. She's right. this Eastern Bloc European woman, of, right? Yes. Slight frame. She yep. she doesn't know about Calcutta. She gets down there and starts to sink her roots in and keep her eyes open, and her prayers become particular. And she she lives a very small life in a very small slum in this very large story. And she didn't try to become a global icon. What she what she tried to do was be faithful to the very, uh, very specific needs of a very specific place. 
We want to transcend and we want to live this big, meaningful, you know, uh, we want to be LeBron on the side of a building in a downtown, you know, uh, no, love makes a big difference when it gets small. And here she crams down into this little corner of a slum. And here we are all these years later talking about her because the way to do it is to, to get sunk into a place. And then that place will demand something of you. It will ask you for a, a particular kind of faithfulness. And then after decades, we're starting to see that in John. These are the early signs. After 15, 20 years of him being there, we're seeing the first fruits of what 50 years for him in New York City is going to look like. And so, yes, you get to come be your best self there. And that place will say, now, let me tell you what I need from you. Yes, yes. I, that's so beautiful. And I, and I think it's it's amazing, too, is even as you started to articulate hey, Nashville or Oklahoma or Colorado Springs or Silicon Valley, you know, I, I think obviously been in this desert season and mm-hmm. um, been kind of traveling, speaking at different places. Yep. And it's, it's, it's fascinating when you, when you go somewhere and you realize like, hey, that, that seemed to connect at a different yes. level. Yes. Like that, that brought something out of me. <laughs> and, and, and so I, the first place I had that after leaving Chicagoland was Indianapolis. Yep. And I thought to myself like, oh, that's fascinating. And, mm. and then I went, you know, to the South, I went to the Southwest mm-hmm. and I went to the West coast where I grew up and, mm-hmm. and it was all fun. It was all yeah. like, loved it. It was great. It was great to feel used, but it didn't have that like yes. connect. Mm-hmm. And, and it really got me thinking. It really had me processing like, mm-hmm. what is that all about? Mm-hmm. So then, then I get the galley copy of your book. <laughs> and I read this and I have been like going back to Chicagoland yeah, yeah. and, and teaching, going into like Indianapolis and, and something hit me, even though I'm a West coast kid, yep, it's where I went to college, where I grew up. I'm a Midwest guy. You are. And it, it the place that region has become indigenous to your expression. Yes. It's first language. It, I, I don't even know how to describe it except that I know I come from Oklahoma or you. I know I come from the West Coast, but something I just found something that is my first language. It's, it's the place that is demanding the greatest expression of, of, of what God put in me. And I can't even it doesn't make sense on paper. It doesn't add up in a spreadsheet. But I know in my bones, I am where I'm supposed to be. And something about that region draws the very best out of me. Is that it's, what you're totally and like it draws it draws the best out of me. And I also go, it's for my healing. Isn't it amazing? Like, yeah, like, yeah. like, like in the sense of uh, <laughs> the the you know, I always said like when I grew up on the West Coast, like we, uh, I think Andy Stanley might have said this once, I, I, it, that we were experienced rich and relationally poor. Yeah, so we did. We we didn't never put something down on a calendar because Laker tickets could become available. <laughs> so a concert could happen. So like you always want to keep your options open. Keep your options open, right? But then you come to the Midwest, and it was like relationally. Yeah, rich. Like we yeah. like it had a little bit of the South in it, in the sense of yeah. like we. Come on in. The season's grounded you. Come and play mm-hmm. euchre. Have some pie. Come into the basement. Watch Sunday night football. Like it, and all of a sudden I was like, wait, wait. Whoa. Spontaneous. This is your experience. Yeah. As you and I was like, 
I love it. I love this. And 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 so what was amazing is how a place is it like it calls the best out of you, but like a child yeah. is is something that like has the chance to even partake yeah. and participate in the healing of your own childhood through Bro, God at work. You know, it's you better like, preach. Oh uh, man, I'm just saying that this is good. This, so like I'm reading this book and I'm like, I and I've only had this happen a few times reading something. Mm. But I I thought we had left the Midwest. Mm. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh my goodness, like this is this what you're doing? And so we you can't we, shake it. We can't shake it. So we go you can't through shake this, it. you know, discernment process and a little like Parker Palmer, Quaker tradition yeah, yeah, of, yeah, you know, yeah. um, and I just got to this point, like where I'm like, I God, I can't be the only one. You got to do something yeah. in our family. Yeah. And you know, we, we haven't talked about this publicly at all, but like, it's, it was wild. We've been trying to teach mm. our kids agency. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, let's, Let's kind of like throw this out there. Let's see what the kids are yeah. are thinking. So I talk about yeah. this power of place. I talk about, hey, where where do you feel like? Yeah, because we can live anywhere. We just need to live yeah. near an airport. But like, where sure. where would you? Where do you think we should be? Yeah. And my eight year old and my thirteen year old, without a shadow of a doubt, say Chicagoland. Jeez. And I'm like, what? bro. And I'm like, there. Okay, well let's yeah. let's check the discernment right. temperature again. Let's come back a week later. And I come back a week later. I, I remember coming into our home in Phoenix at the time. I walk in and my wife says, Hey, there's a there's a house for sale across the street from mm. our our best friends in oh. our old neighborhood. Jeez. And so I'm like, wait, wait, what? You're on this plan too, right? Like at like the spirit's I'm, already stirring it, stirring yeah. it, right? And yeah. you, 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 so like I start yeah. journaling. God, yeah. I literally write this down in my journal. I don't know anybody who moves back to their Chernobyl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. and I and so, but I, I remember, I remember like reaching out, uh, yeah. and I, I think I texted you, and I was like, bro, your yep. book. just spoke to me. I like, (laughs) we happen to be together in Colorado. And I remember saying something, I think this is what's happening because of you and the spirit. (laughs) Um, But like, and you, you said one of the most beautiful lines, you said, Hey, go through the the Hebrew scriptures. Yeah. It's all about God calling people back to restore the ancient ruins. Yes, bro. And dude, like it just uh, has been something that this book, I, I'm just telling you, is has reminded me of this. Man, I, I think I want to die there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to go back to those friendships and yeah. not not some savior complex, none of that. But like yeah. literally, like I, I just get the people there, yeah. and I want that to be the place. And my kids want to be there, and it's just in the weirdest I, I, way. Yeah, I see this moment for you, Steve. We're just thinking out loud, and and for the listeners, this is how you just kind of help each other do discernment work and uh, tugging at the threads of stories. Jesus is born in Bethlehem in Judea, and he goes away for a couple of years to be in womb in Egypt. Yeah, 
And I see your move out West as a protective move. It's God re in wombing you, guarding you, healing you, restoring you. There's a moment where you've got to get out of that place to be safe. So some of you who are listening, you have a moment where you need just a little break. You need to step away. You need to be re womed You need to be guarded. But there is that moment where the call comes and you go back. To, you go back. And, uh, and Jesus rises up and we know the rest of the story in that place. So I just see that beautiful move uh, happening in your trajectory, restoring the ancient ruins. And... Uh, all of this, like our new life story too, we had a Chernobyl moment, right? What I see in this, in this thread, you and me, and then just watching life and reading history is you can't finally stop God's plans. Wow. You just can't. You, there may be interruptions and other people have agency in our stories that can absolutely cause fault lines to shift and eruptions to happen. And we get driven out into Egypt for a bit or into the wilderness or whatever metaphor you want to use that, that happens. And we can't finally stop all that from happening, happening period. And you can't finally stop God from getting you right where he wants you and getting you into practicing your craft and, and living out your vocation. So if you have had a moment of great disruption, for those of you listening out there, take as long as you need to take, and it will take as long as it needs to take. There will be three, four, five, I don't know how many years yours, your disruption will cost. Um, but what Steve and I have seen and we're, we're seeing in, in little micro stories breaking out is that God is going to get us back on our feet and God is going to get us back rooted and we will restore the ancient ruins and, and disappointment and disorientation will not be the end of our story. Gosh, that is so beautiful, man. That is so beautiful. Um, friends, I can't recommend the power of place enough. It's choosing stability in a rootless age. And um, Daniel, I, I, I want to just shift a little bit because I, I think you are a fantastic communicator. And this podcast is, is all about the craft and the character. And I, I, I feel like I hijacked uh, a little bit of this podcast because I, just love, I love the book and I love the conversation. I love how personal it is to me. But I'd love just, you know, in our remaining 15 minutes, I, yeah. I'd love if, if you wouldn't mind, maybe just share when you think about putting to, uh, uh, together a message and, and yeah. you teach regularly on Friday nights at yeah. New Life and often sometimes on the weekends, but yeah. maybe describe that for a second. And then just a little bit of your process, yeah. uh, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, uh, man, I lay in bed at night thinking about the craft. I, I talk to some people that just don't, and I think, am I just stupid? Am I weird? <laughs> like, did I do something wrong to have been accosted by this craft? It, it has taken me over, and it's, I'm not letting it get unhealthy, but I think you listen to the masters, and these are people – the word of God goes forth in power, not accidentally, not, oh, and just the spirit just kind of swept in and I didn't really do my work, but, you know, thank God for the Holy Spirit. No, it's the prophets of Israel had nothing else to be about. I, it, it, I mean, at least when you read their oracles, at least when the moment stirs and the word of God is racing in them. 
you get the sense that this is like an existential threat. Either I deliver this or I die. It is like a fire shut up in my bones and I'm going to spontaneously combust if it does not come out. Like this is a problem. If I will go to my grave, if I don't speak. So I, that's how I experience it. And I wish it were easier. I wish it were more precious. I wish that I could just kind of get up and tell people they're blessed and highly favored and it's a Hallmark movie. And, but, but it has taken me over. I listen. So I would say, listen to the masters, uh, read the prophets, become a poet. You may not, you may not, that may not be a primary gift, but at least give yourself over to the poets. Because as Solomon says, a gentle tongue can break a bone. Uh, poetry in five lines, you can get more done sometimes than in a 10-page essay. Uh, because a word like Emily Dickinson, Emily Dickinson says, a word you can tell it slant. And it, and it cuts the legs out of the predominant narrative that we've all been buying into. Not by coming at it with full force, but by coming angularly and telling it slant and chopping against the grain of that narrative. Uh, so there's something there. Uh, I listen to Martin Luther King Jr. sermons all the time. C.L. Franklin. If you haven't heard Aretha Franklin's dad, holy yes, 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 yes. C.L. Franklin, go on YouTube and just get into it. Uh, I mean, the guy is like a human being meets Hammond B3 organ in his own person. He is, he doesn't need a B3. He is a B3. Um, uh, Gardner Taylor, I mean, the, the golden tongue prophet, the, the, the great principal preacher, maybe of the last hundred years, Barbara Brown Taylor. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. That woman can just go hard. Fleming Rutledge. Yeah. Listen to the masters. Like if you want to be great, Apprentice yourself to people who are great. And then a bit about my process. I, I am a scribbler. I've got notepads everywhere and paper. I'm, a lot of people work digitally. A computer is a necessary evil for me. I am a notepad uh, writing stuff out all the time. And there's something, there's like some neuropsychology to this. There's, there, you can type out. Uh, but they've studied like the act of actually writing it out and how that sort of takes it a layer deeper in your own uh, psyche subconscious and it gets in you. So I write um, and I would encourage you to think through uh, here's where I think so many potentially good sermons fall short. It's in the transitional phrases that that don't thread one thought with the next. So a lot of times people have done great study and they've got it in them, but they haven't thought about, there's really like four or five little pivotal moments in every sermon that you're going from one world of thought and you're tipping over into a, another. And you and, and many people haven't thought about how do we write th these transitional threads to tie the two thoughts together into a seamless whole, or even just like a dramatic how am I dramatically going to get us in a new scene? The great, the great shows today are episodic and they don't necessarily, they aren't like linear. And now from scene one, we're going to take you to scene two. So enjoy your transition. They don't do that. It goes black and you're in a new world out of nowhere, but somehow they've done the work of helping thread these together to where at the end you're going, of course. And I think, 
I think the great sermon writers and deliverers are those who have thought about that soft tissue that connects the, the, you know, that insinuates a great sermon together. So talk back to me. What are you well, thinking? No, I, I mean, I think it's, I think it's so true. I mean, there, there's so many moments where I'm like, uh, there was no bridge to connect yeah. those two <laughs> ideas, you know? And so, and you're, you're, and, and what's hard is oftentimes for the pastor and the preacher, you spent 30, 40, 50 hours, like thinking about this over a course of a few months, reading yeah. books, d- dumping knowledge. Yeah. And now you've condensed it to 34 minutes and yeah. the people have no idea. <laughs> they have not read what you've read. Yeah. And sometimes we go so fast because we're trying to push all of those 50 hours of content right. and not pastorally shepherd them to recognize this is the first time they're hearing about a value exactly. stability. You know what exactly. I mean? And, yeah. and so, so how to do that? Are there any, like when you have your pen and note mm-hmm. pad, are there any like transitional hacks, preaching mm-hmm. hacks that you think about? Like mm-hmm. um, if it's, I'm, I'm, I'm typically looking for one or two sentences or I'm, I, is there yeah. some, what you typically do to make sure that that is a, as smooth and efficient as possible? Yeah. Um, I got to read it out loud. I, I will step back. Like you, you need, when you're writing, you're so enmeshed in the process that, that often you can't really see what you've done on paper. So sometimes the best thing you can do to, to get reset is to walk away from your sermon, to yeah. close the laptop. Like, so you need to know there's a moment where you've like, you, you've oversaturated the thought market and you, you're not clear. Yep. So I'm going to, on Tuesday, it's Tuesday. I don't need to land this plane today. I'm preaching Friday. And I have, I have hit a moment where any work that I do will be diminishing returns. Yes. I'm walking away from it. Yep. I need to read it out loud. So I don't manuscript. I, I have kind of thought movements and then I'll have certain transitional phrases that I want to hit that are those threads that tie movement one to movement two. But I'm not like manuscripting the whole thing out, but I need to know that I've got that middle transitional phrase. And then I'll read it to my wife. Yeah, I'll go and she, praise God, she just, she just has the grace to not really care about the minutiae of my world. And she's got this aw shucks factor of like I, every man, every woman, you know, she speaks every woman language yep. Yep. and is not an insider and doesn't and, and beats the insider language out of me, which is a great grace. Yes. So have people who don't care about what you do and don't care about your craft tell you if it translates, if it's, if it's speaking to a real estate broker, if it's speaking to a elementary school teacher, if it's speaking to a stay at home parent. So I think that's really important. Um, For me, one of the things that I have to do in my process, and I I realize I'm just riffing here, Steve. So I love it. I love it. Anyway, is I got to go out on a walk. I've got to go walk it and talk it. And, and then at some point I have to do a proper exercise, like an intense 30 minute. I'm like, I've lost my breath. I'm dripping sweat. And, and neuroscientists will say neurons that fire together, wire together. 
And so I'll have my notes and I'll be on the Peloton right here or I'll be whatever. And I'm like, I can barely breathe, but I'm looking through my thoughts and, and there are these pathways being cut and it's getting so many great sermons don't move from the page into your soul. You don't get it integrated into your being. So the content's nice on paper, but you haven't owned it Yes, and you haven't sweat it and you haven't prayed it and you haven't wrestled with God about it. And so for me, the, the walk is that slow leisurely prayer time of come Holy spirit. And I've done my work here and I need the gentleness of your presence on this. And I need the awareness of the people that are going to come in, help me not to go deliver a message that I want to give, but would you sensitize my soul to these saints that are going to hear it? And so that the walk is for that kind of encounter with the Lord about the sermon. And then the exercise is for like, I'm going to fight for this. I'm going to wrestle for this. I'm going to get this inside of me. And, and then one of the final things I love to do is I, I always go up with three pages. If I have any more than three pages, I intuitively know it's way too much. And if I have two pages, I think I'm about five minutes short. I just, I don't know how I can tell you that just over 15 years of doing it. I know that it's three pages for me. That's going to be the right amount of content. And if I go up with those three pages without what the final step is getting a three by five card with no notes in front of me. And I'll say, okay, what is this sermon? And if I can in three or four little movements or statements or bullet points outline what the sermon is, I know that I've gone from 50 hours of reading and study and thought cloud and, you know, ideating down to three pages of a word document, down to a three by five with three or four little movements. I know that once I can do that naturally and in a sort of symbiotic way that I have internalized something that I can now go give to people. Man, I love that. Again, if you're listening to this, you you have to find your process. Mm -hmm. I love Mm -hmm. what what Daniel has just articulated. And I'm very similar to uh, him. There are moments when I study and I I call it um, the walkout to get it to my toes from my brain <laughs> and head to my toes. And I just, I have to like get love it that. down because yep. I, I will, I will love to stay in the ethereal and the mm-hmm. idea and the fascination of the question. And it's like getting into my body, getting these ideas, these concepts down to my heart, yep. to my yep. soul, having really like wrestling with it in the spirit. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and I love even the exercise it, mm-hmm. and it, it brought me back to, um, when one of my mentors, we, we would study in the morning and usually at 11 a.m. after studying for three hours, he'd be like, grab your skateboard. And yep. we go, we go straight to the skate park <laughs> and we just start skating and dropping in. And like, yep. and, 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 and he just constantly said, like, he used that language of like, you have to have a, a healthy break, but yep. you've got to fight for it. You got to yep. fight for this idea. And like, and you've got to be able to like, and, and what was amazing is like in, in those like moments of the skate park, I would watch him and he would be like running the idea yes. by someone at the park. And yes. like, like someone who doesn't care about church at right. all. And so, <laughs> they're smoking. And so, yeah, they're exactly. Smoking exactly. And and so, yeah. And so like, I'd hear him talking about like <laughs> Moses goes up to the mountain cause he wants to be fully present. <laughs> and this guy's like, well, I don't care. But like, the, but, about? but he's just like, he kept like finding the phrase and he yes. could read people to go, Oh, that yes. 
I, I'll lean into that. And it just yes. became this like this unique outside community like your wife where yep. you had these checks and balances of, is this just pastor thought? Is this actually yeah. going to speak to the heart of the people? And I think you do that so well. Your thoughtfulness, your scholarship, your pastoral presence, um, the way that you make room for the spirit to just work mightily through you um, and your, your gifting as a writer. What I so appreciate about your new life team and there's like no ego, at least from the outside that I see with Pastor Brady and, and Glenn and uh, uh, Andrew. Uh, Andrew Arndt, yeah. 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 And, and, yeah. And now even Rory. I mean, like you, like I just, I look at this squad of people and voices. Mm. I'm like, there's just something so, so beautiful. Mm. Um, I want to end with this. Um, and it, I, I had a, a buddy of mine, Daniel M on, and recently yeah. and yeah listen it's brilliant oh uh, he's so great and he he ended with a, a benediction and i was like i think we should end with a yeah, benediction yeah. but yeah. i i thought about because i feel like the whole first part is really about the character to stay and mm-hmm. how you have to fight to stay mm-hmm. and i thought to myself hey um there might be some people listening mm-hmm. who need to hear a blessing mm-hmm. that it's okay to stay Mm-hmm. And there might be some people who know that they got to go through this drops discernment process. Yeah. yeah. And I just, I, I, I just wondered, you know, would you just pastor yep. us just with a moment yep. and whether a word or a blessing or whatever yeah. we feel comfortable. Um, yeah. I just think uh, this is something you've embodied, something yeah. you've done. And I think in a culture of rootlessness, um, it's easier to go. It's easier to chase. Um, yeah. I, I I would just love to be reminded of yeah. a proper vow of stability. Yeah. Let me pray. I'm going to pray it out. Uh, so Lord, I pray for all of my friends, my brothers and sisters listening. And I pray that you would give the, us the courage to live small. I pray that you would give us the courage to be unknown. I pray that you would give us the courage to not care about a claim. I pray that you would give us uh, the great joy of anonymity. And if you want to call us out of the sheep pen into the palace, fine. Uh, But I pray that we would know that the palace has its problems. And so, Lord, I pray for everyone to be able to settle in where they are. If you're calling them to to contentment, if you are calling them to a moment of you're okay, you're good, you're where you need to be, I pray for a relaxed soul to receive that gift. In a world that is so frenetic and we're anxious that we're missing out and we're anxious that our lives might not matter, I pray that you would that you would give us a new scoreboard, uh, that you would give us a new sign of success, that you would give us uh, the ability to discern and to know when we can really receive a, a momentary, well done, good and faithful. You're doing it. It's okay. You're doing it. So I pray, Lord, that you would banish all anxiety and all fear that would keep us restless and that would keep us forcing crises that don't exist. I, I pray that you would give us the courage to settle in in our souls. And for those who are genuinely in a moment of move that you have swept up, you're, you're creating this moment, go to a land that I will show you. I, I, I pray, Lord, that you'd bless them. 
I pray that you would give them the courage to, to step out and to make the move. I pray that you would embolden them to go and live by faith. I pray that you would, uh, what must it have been like for Abram and Sarai to leave the, just, they were loaded. Everything was working and they had it all laid out for them. And they walked away from the inheritance to go find the inheritance that you would reveal. I pray for those who are living that story, that you would give them a childlike courage to go take the risk. Who, who cares? We're going to be fine. Um, that they would that they would have the courage to not look at the spreadsheet and to not you know count the cost by ignoring the cost. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd give them that. And for all of us, Lord, I pray that you would help us to find home. Uh, you are the God who who becomes Jesus of Nazareth, and you root down. And I pray that we would all be able to say we found our prepositional place, our of wherever. Uh, so get us rooted and, and make us fruitful, Lord. I pray, you know, roots turn into fruit. And I pray that every single person listening would, would enter into this next decade of wild fruitfulness in the kingdom of God, that many, many more would be saved and filled with the, the Holy Spirit, that people would be called out of darkness and into marvelous light. We got into it to serve you and we got into it to be a blessing to the nations of the earth. And so, Lord, I pray that everyone listening to this podcast would enter into a fresh season of wild fruitfulness. So I pray, bless them and keep them and make your face shine upon them. Be gracious to them. Lord, lift your countenance upon them and grant them peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So much love to you people. And Steve, I love you, my man. Uh, thanks so much, Daniel. Hey, uh, where can people find you? Just uh, if, if they wanted to just find you online or anywhere. Yeah, Instagram, Twitter, at Mr. Daniel Grothy, G-R-O-T-H-E, and then DanielGrothy.com or NewLifeChurch.org, whatever. Come come see me. Awesome, awesome. Well, hey, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, bro, so much respect and love for you. And uh, many, many blessings, my friend. Thank you, sir. Love you. Well, thanks so much again for tuning in to the Crafting Character Podcast. Hey, follow us on Instagram, at Crafting Character, on Twitter, at Craft underscore character. And remember, go and like look at Crafting Character on Instagram. Sign up for that giveaway. We're taking names. I want to get you this library of books. And, and then hit that little link to orderptnow.com slash cc30. We're creating amazing content that's going to help your soul. That's going to help you grow as a communicator. And then lastly, um, the heartbeat for me is to get incredible communicators in living rooms with incredible preachers and humans. And we have this cohort. I run it through the Ascent Leader. My buddy, Sean Morgan, there's a squad that just, we've been doing this for the last few years. It's been amazing. You can go to the ascentleader.org, learn more about that. We got, a, we got another cohort. I think there's only one spot left. It's kicking off with one of my favorite people, Dick Alexander. And I mean, some of the, the mentors there, Danielle Strickland, she's going to be a mentor. Uh, Rich Velotis, like there's just some incredible, credible voices. So go to theascentleader.org and sign up. Um, we'd love to have a conversation with you. But my friends, I hope you will take what you learned from Pastor Daniel Grothy. That stability matters. And we can just keep chasing, keep running. But there is a power in knowing that there is a place that God has called you. 
And that place can allow you to be the fullest expression of who God made you to be. Much love, everyone. Talk to you soon. Grace and peace. Peace.